0: Welcome to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast, a space for the spiritually curious to explore faith in new and meaningful ways. Open your heart and mind and journey with your host, Luke Bricker, into greater spiritual freedom.
1: Everyone, welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. Um, We have Mark Gladman on the show today. And um, Mark and I were chatting in the direct messages about faith in terms of the post that I made about um, having some sort of deconstruction and reconstruction and that sparked a conversation. And uh, so we're able to finally link up here. Mark is in Australia, so we're, you know, we had to figure out and do a little bit of, you know, uh, time calculations to get a time together. But we're here and chatting now. So, Mark, thanks for carving out some time of your morning my afternoon yeah. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> for you. Uh, thanks oh, for no, carving out some time or tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, you're tomorrow, right? I'm tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks. You're
2: in my yesterday. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it good that there's no space and time in God? <laughs> right. That, it'd make this so much easier, wouldn't it?
1: That's <laughs> so uh, true. So that's. I always think that's so bizarre. I had a t- conversation the other day with a gentleman in India. And it was a right. similar thing trying to figure out timing, you know, and it was like, I recorded with him at like uh, nine o'clock at night, my time, but it was like 10 in the morning. Tomorrow is to, I don't know how all of that works, but thanks man for, for carving out some time for an episode with me. Pleasure. So uh, we've been talking on a little bit before we started recording here and you've been sharing just a little bit about what you do and sharing about um, just the the city that you live in the town that you live in and um how you have entered into almost a sort of like uh being like a town chaplain in a in a sense um and i'm curious like with your how does that line up is that something that um we that you have pursued in a particular way like what's what do you do during the day you do a lot of stuff you have a a uh, a blog right that you do some of this stuff with um and you've been pursuing um, this in, in other ways online and maybe in person is ministry chaplaincy. Has that been a part of your, your life for a while or is this something it, new? that's come Yeah, up? it has. Uh, in fact,
2: my, my day job that pays the bills. I'm a chaplain in a school. Okay. Um, so it's a school of about 2000 students. Um, and I look after the senior school. So that's the 10, 11 and 12, about 620 to 50 students. Wow. Uh, and um, we'd have about, good 50, 50, or so staff in the senior school, I think, or thereabouts. Um, so I spend my days uh, doing pastoral care um, with the student body. Um, we're a Christian school um, in the Anglican or in your case, Episcopal uh, tradition. Um, I'm not an ordained Episcopal priest or anything like that, Anglican priest. Um, so I'm, I guess I'm a lay
0: mm-hmm.
2: person or whatever that, you know, what they call it. But Um, So pastoral care with students, uh, a couple of chapels a week, and I also write and deliver the Christian living curriculum, which is a subject that all year 10 and 11 students do. Wow. Um, And that's been a great joy because, you know, talking about the stuff that we'll probably end up talking about later, there's been avenues to start to share that with young people. It's been eye-opening for them about who God is and what God's about and the place of faith and spirituality in everyday life, whether... I end up being believers or not is not necessarily the um, the end game for me. The end game is helping them see the value
1: mm. in
2: the spiritual traditions um, and how it can bring them to a place where they might develop that, who knows, in the future. But for right now, just getting their head around it and seeing its value. Um, so that's, that's the um, – but in terms of what's happening here in the community, it's it's not anything that I've done intentionally except be me. Yeah and be um, what I think God wants all of us to be in our localities. And that is just the presence of, of God in community. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, you in the, when we're having a chat before, we have a lot of businesses and uh, restaurants, cafes, uh, you know, locally owned stores and, and that sort of thing in my little community here at Burley beach. And, um, and I'm at the North Burley. There's a South Burley and that's, that is very, very village-like up this northern end. It's a little bit less so, only about um, a mile up the road uh, in terms of its built upness yeah. But there's a much more connected vibe between, as I was saying, the businesses are, share resources with each other and sell each other's products through their own avenues. And, um, of course, I get around to all these places and I talk to the proprietors and um, hang out in their spaces and get to know them really well. They all know what I do. Yeah. And I suppose that there's this, um, what's the word? Goodwill that's yeah. built up. This, this uh, understanding that um, I, they can, It's trust too, yeah. I suppose. And um, in time, you start to make connections with them that, you know, when COVID hit, um, it really hit the businesses here really hard. It's a high tourist area and our borders were closed with the other states for quite some time. Um, we, and there was a number of weeks there where, unless you were in a, um, a business that was required, you had to close down or reinvent. And a lot of the people around here had to reinvent themselves. Uh, the gin distillery started making hand sanitizer.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Uh, the breweries, uh, the brewery on the corner, this one's new, but the other one, um, started doing home drop. Uh, uh some of my favorite cafes along here started doing home drop. Um,
1: yeah.
2: and then started doing things like we'll make a meal, a frozen dinner. And we'll deliver it to you. You can stick it in your freezer and you can eat it later. Yeah. Um, and so I was getting around to these places as I was able um, and just making sure I, I care for these people. So I was making yes. sure they were okay. But there's that sense of, you know, sharing, well, love, right? Yeah. Um, with, yeah. With other people. So that sort of built up, I suppose, some sort of connection and goodwill where they see me now as a kind of the sort of person they can trust and then spleen with and talk life with. And, um, it's probably in its very early stages. I mean, I've been here permanently for a year and on and off for the two years before that. Yeah. Um, halftime. So, uh, you know, it's in a very early stages in terms of connection and stuff, but it has caused me to do a lot of thinking and praying about, well, what is, um, Mm -hmm. what does this community need? Um, uh, there's a, there's an Anglican church, a Episcopal church, uh, back down in the main sort of area a mile down the road. At this end, there doesn't seem to be, there's no, not really any churches about the place. And it's not that I'd necessarily go about planting a church, but seeking opportunity within the spaces that are here. And there's lots of them yeah. where people could intentionally connect and share stories and, um, and grow together.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: So very early stages about what that might look like and, and how I can be, a, and mostly how I can be of service to the community in that way that's only just dawned on me is starting to happen.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I love that, you know, and the reason I wanted to kind of start with that is just to show like what this can look like in a real space in real time as we like, cause I think the purpose of faith in a lot of ways is how we live and move and have our being right. Like how right. we just go to the pub, how we do these things. How do we go out to eat, the conversations we have, who we befriend. And I love that that is, you seem to have that embodiment from what i just, my take from talking with you here, you seem to have that sort of embodied spiritual practice of the community and the people around. And that's one of the first things that we talked about. Uh, And so as you are a a, a chaplain for, I was a youth pastor, by the way. So I I know a little bit about working with, probably in a different way than you do about working with, uh, you know, teens or working with people. Um, But I'm curious, even in yourself, as you've pursued a path of seeking to to help other people or to walk with other people, uh, that comes obviously, maybe not so obviously from, like a faith tradition and a faith background, what was some of the origins for you as far as like faith foundations and formations, you know, was that something that you were uh, born into or later in life?
2: Well, it's interesting. You, you, you guys use the term mongrel when you talk about dogs in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a, a mongrel in Australia. It's like bits of this, bits of that, or bits, you know, it's Yeah. A bit of this dog, bit of that dog, bit of that dog. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of, in terms of my spiritual development, I'm a mongrel. I'm a bitzer. So I was born into a family that had a, a connection to the Anglican uh, Episcopal tradition um, here in Australia. And so I grew up um, going to church Christmas and Easter, and my grandmother particularly took it very seriously. And the story goes that it was my third Christmas or second Christmas, so I was about two and a half, and the the, the priest disappeared after... The, the prayers and stuff to go up the back to come to the little altar that was like a puppet show thing. I don't know what you call mm-hmm. those, not an altar, the um, pulpit. Yeah. Uh, and it came out to preach and we was, had still just we were finishing singing a hymn or something. And the guy came out and I turned to my dad, I was standing on the chair and I turned to my dad and I said, dad, I want to be like that guy up there. <laughs> and my dad said, well, sit down and listen and you'll be able to learn what to do, right? So this was <laughs> two and a half. When I was about six, I have a memory and other people do too, of me doing communion services with my teddy bears no the, way. Yeah, from the prayer book, um, making little altars out of Lego and stuff and, um, <laughs> and doing stuff like this, right? Um, what happened, uh, I was taken for confirmation when I was 13, which is what good, you know, Piscopal families do. And um, my dad was defence, so we moved around a lot. And so this year of my confirmation classes and my confirmation was done with um, a military chaplain who is still a friend of mine to this day. Mm. Uh, he became a bishop and the bishop of the defense forces later and he's retired now. Uh, Len Ecott, lovely guy. And Len um, took me through my confirmation. I took it really seriously. I thought if I'm making a commitment to God in front of all these people, this is, you know, I gotta, I'm going to own this. This is going to yeah. be real. When we finished that year, I made my confirmation. Um, and later that year, dad was posted to Canberra. So we relocated and I started taking myself to church um, so, my family weren't regular churchgoers. They went through the time of confirmation. We relocated sort of back to normal, but I wanted to take this seriously. Yeah. But what happened next was really interesting. So, I'm about 13, 14 years old at this point, and I really started to think about what is faith, what is spirituality. I went in this really intense three and a bit year search where I studied, um, I look back now as a, someone who's, a, you know, done some academic, a lot of academic work. And I think, man, as a 13, 14-year-old, 15, 16, 17-year-old, this is, this is serious. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at things like Buddhism and uh, Shinto and Islam and Judaism and Christianity and some of the other faith traditions around that and some of the other isms and philosophies because I wanted to know, if I'm going to take this whole thing seriously, I want to do it seriously. Yeah. Um, so I, I did that. Uh, and at the end of the day, the Jesus story was the one that was still completely compelling, um, which we might touch on a bit later. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the tradition that through which God made sense to me. That's how I'd explain it now. I wouldn't have explained it like that back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I still wanted to be a rebellious kid, right? Rebellious teenager. So if I was going to take Jesus seriously, how do you rebel? Well, you change churches?
1: Mm.
2: So my family were Anglican. Uh, so I ended up in a Church of Christ. Um, okay. So, you know, we're going, you know, uh, very fundamentalist. And in fact, my first, so I I chased a girl and that's how I ended up in a church. And Kylie and I Mm. dated for about three years, but her father, who was a Jamaican guy, um, uh, was also my first Bible teacher and pastor Mm. for many years on. And again, uh, Kylie, her brother, Jason, who I played a lot of music with, played reggae with Jason for a number of years and and still jammed with him from time to time. Oh, yeah. That's a I mean, real you know, Jamaican, man. You're going to play man, reggae, you know. Well, listen, Kylie's mum, who is um, Australian English, uh, learned how to make curry goat for Delroy. And I, so I've had curry goat, man. I'm, I'm, yes. I learned how to speak patois and it and works. <laughs> it was so cool. But Delroy was also my first Bible teacher. And uh, I'm grateful for him because mm-hmm. the, the, I know scripture today because of him and the things that he did with me. Mm-hmm in that first couple of years. And by the time I finished high school, I'd already done a degree in biblical studies um, that I was doing on the side. Wow. Um, And so I sort of then by then I'd entered into ministry. I was doing youth work in the church and and that sort of stuff. Uh, I started a music school to pay the bills, but I was still doing a lot of work in schools with young people and churches and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, Long story short, I was a couple of denominational cuts along the way, but ended up within the charismatic movement and we're in a church movement here called christian outreach center which is now called international network of churches uh which are now a worldwide international um, charismatic church where i was ordained mm. um and was um, understanding god through that way which was in some ways my first uh eye-opening to mysticism if yeah. you want to I wouldn't call it that. Um, but no, you know, ch- that's, charismatic that's
1: Christianity is, is definitely, and that's a little weird, you know, wrapping a little bit before we started. And, and that's yeah. me being in the vineyard churches, vineyard church right. movements is very charismatic and it's, you know, uh, they don't understand it sometimes in that way, but it's very informed by mysticism. As a matter of fact, Absolutely. one of our, uh, I'm on like a group for vineyard preachers and teachers. I still have my ordination. That's who we're really, we're, we're doing all of our stuff with. Um, And John Wimber, who started the Vineyard Churches, uh, and then a guy named Lonnie Frisbee, who really was a part of that with the Calvary Chapel movement. I don't know if those names ring a bell or not, but they're listed on Wikipedia as Christian mystics. And I'm like, right. okay. yes, so I am. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, all this has come around, you know, full that's circle. It. And now nobody, whenever I go to conferences, uh, you know, can argue with me about mysticism because, you know. Because Wikipedia says so. Yes, uh, it's the, it's the, no, that's,
2: the law. Isn't that interesting, right? How, yes, yes. Um, there's no reinventioning of the wheel with God because God is. Um, yes, we just, we call it different things. Um, and because we haven't experienced it or maybe a couple of generations have missed it. Um, doesn't, it hasn't been there before. Right. Uh, for sure. So, um, so you ended up in CRC and, and, um, what happened then was really interesting. Um, I was there for about six years, um, as a youth pastor and I was the chaplain in the school that was connected to the church. Um, And my coach, my co-chaplain, who was also one of my mentors, Ian Feeney, all these beautiful people that when I tell this story, come up, you know, Delroy and it and, um, Ian, but Ian comes into the office one day and he goes, you look flat. What's going on? Mm. And I said, you know, man, I feel like a palm tree, uh, tall leaves there's fruit, but I feel like my roots are really shallow. Mm. Um, I want to be like an oak man I I want the roots to really go deep. And he looked at me and just said, well, if it's roots you're looking for, maybe you need to go back to yours. And mm-hmm. That's all he said. I'm like, wow, what does that mean? So I really contemplated this for some time and I decided there was two ways to take it. So I might as well take it both ways. So from where I was, I started to work back in my own understanding of the, my Christian tradition of my roots. So work back to my roots and then started to work forward from Jesus on the roots of, you know, from the roots of Christian tradition and, and where it went. Um, and they both met at um, the Episcopal church, the Anglican church. Mm. So I thought I, I need to maybe get back to that. And so I did. I um, ended up with a job in a church in Brisbane and ended up as a ministry consultant for the diocese here um, for a number of years Mm. Um and then I had this earth-shattering moment where after being away from it for so long, I open up a prayer book and I started reading this prayer book, which through my you know fundamentalist and charismatic days I've been told, oh, that's just, you know, repetition and it's vainglory and it's, you know, um right. it's not biblical. And I'm reading this thing and I'm going, thanks to Dory, I'm looking at this and I'm going, This is all scripture.
1: Mm.
2: All this supposedly repetitious stuff and you know stuff that you say every week, it's all straight from scripture. Yeah. Wow. This is actually quite, you can't get more biblically <laughs> based than this. Right. Um, and so uh, one of the things I, I discovered out of that was more, I'm looking through the prayer book, discover this morning and evening prayer. Mm. Um, and so I started to explore that and I'm down in Canberra, speaking at a school and a mate of mine who was the, um, Uh, the chaplain there at the time says to me, so have you heard of St. Benedict? I'm like, no, tell me about the St. Benedict. So he went and bought me a copy of the rule of St. Benedict and gave me a a Glenstall book of daily prayer. And um, I fell in love with the daily office. And the more I read the rule, the more I started to see that this is really interesting. This is almost like Benedict is writing a guide for how to live the gospel in community. Mm. Um, and then I started to think, well, what would it look like if a guy who at the time married with two kids and a mortgage and a Harley and a dog living in the suburbs, could they live this kind of life without having to run off to a monastery? Mm. And so in about 2010, the modern monk project was born, um, which is now monk and docs. Yeah. So, um, so started to explore living out the rule and a monastic rhythm of life. Um, as, as I was living out every day in, in community with my family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's, that's how I got to really digging into, um, the, the more ancient, uh, traditions, the wisdom of the desert mothers and fathers, um, yeah. uh, and all this stuff, which really opened my eyes more to where I sit and continue to grow today.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's so is, the journey. Is that
1: part of the, um, so we we use the obviously the buzz term right now is deconstruction in a lot of ways, uh, but what I like to use in some of the ways is just a simple reevaluation or reformation of faith, and that takes some moving around of mental or theological furniture to do. You know, yeah, some things got to go. Like when you clean your garage, you don't throw everything away, but sometimes you take it out, you throw away the trash, and you reorganize it. A lot of times, that's the the flow. Um, it was that sort of the, the the time that you began to explore other. Uh, in revisiting the roots, that was maybe the beginning of a reconstruction, or was that part of a deconstruction, or both? Or, or how was some of that time?
2: Yeah, there, I, I think the deconstruction happened when I started to realize that. It'd probably been happening before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, I'm thinking of a time when um, we're in the Charismatic Church. So, I mean, that's the, the context of this. We uh, were having a prayer meeting with our pastors and uh, one of our pastors came in and said that they, the, um, our, our church was on a corner with a roundabout, I don't know if you call them there, but yeah. sort of a big circle thing in the middle of four, like a crossroads so that you can yeah. easily navigate it. And they, the had just done it up with some nice rock work in different colours and he came in and said, I, I think they've actually made a pentagram out of it.
1: Mm.
2: I think we need to pray over it and i just simply
1: it's a very said, charismatic observation and thing to do <laughs> and I'm, I'm, yeah.
2: not, I'm not bagging it um, sure but, but i found myself in that moment i looked up and i said um why yeah and they looked at me one of the pastors looked at me and went what do you mean why i said well if um, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, and I started to quote all these scriptures about God being great and awesome and wonderful and powerful and protective. I said, why do we yeah. have to go over and pray over a shape in the ground made with rocks?
0: It's mm. got no
2: power over us. Yeah, yeah. And the response I got was, well, if you don't want to come with us, you can stay <laughs> inside. Uh, and I was like, and, I'm, and I did. I thought, yeah. like, no, that, that seems a bit silly to me. But as I sat there waiting for them to come back, I'm like, this makes no sense. Mm. If if God is this powerful, why why do we have to do that? Yeah. We could pray it from in here. Why do we have to go out there and march around it? And um, and again, I'm not, I'm not bagging those things. If that's your, if that's the way that you engage with God, then more power to you. But I started to realize that there were a, a lot more questions than direct answers and pat answers. Yeah. And this is when I started to really, read scripture for what it was digging into context, you know, my, my exegesis and hermeneutics got much deeper, yeah. my um, reliance on original languages mm. and culture to understand the context of what's going on, particularly in the Jesus narratives um, and, you know, the teachings um, appreciating and learning to appreciate the fact that the Hebrew scriptures, uh, you know, the book of the Jewish church and, uh, and the Jewish community. And we do ourselves a little bit of a disservice if we try and tell them what we think it means first,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah. particularly in the way that Jesus taught from them and understood them from that context. So, right. uh, so there's a, a lot of this started to happen around about the same time. And I think that's why I felt the roots were shallow because suddenly I realized, wait, this could all fall over. any second. And it was all really based around the idea of absolute truth. Mm. And I don't mean that God isn't an absolute in who God is, but the idea that we can box that up and say, well, this is exactly definitively what it is. Here it is served up um, on your drive through window. And you know, you're going to get every time you go through the window and order that thing. I started to realize that God can't be that. Right. If, if, Jesus, if Jesus was right in talking about, you know, the wind goes where the wind goes, and yeah. we have no idea where it goes or how it goes, and how dare we try and tell it that? If the Celtic Christians could refer to the Holy Spirit as the the, the wild goose, yeah. Um, yeah, and on glass. I mean, we we do ourselves a huge disservice if we say, well, here's the God I serve, and it's nicely neatly packaged, right? And you can have it for for nine ninety nine, son on the line, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just God is so much bigger than that. And when, when the eyes open to a God that's bigger than that, the world opens up. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the depth and the love and the, the connectedness to all things and the connectedness of all things. And so, you know, um, f- occasionally with our year 11 students, um, I show them parts of Rob Bell's first um, presentation of Everything is Spiritual.
1: Yeah. Um, what a wonderful... Wonderful piece.
2: You know, that that quantum physics um, sounding so much like um, early Jewish poets. Yes. And that's the line I usually stop it at and turn around and there's these kids going, wow. <laughs> wow. So here's these, these kids who are all, you know, a lot of them very scientific. I mean, we have, a, it's a very high uh, academic school. So there's a lot of, you know, science, math, um, yeah. your focus. And you've just basically quoted them, shared with them quantum physics, and Rob's been able to show them how well this is very similar to explaining what's going on in this perichoresis uh, yes. of God that's happening there. You know, so um, if God's so much bigger than life, so much bigger, and and we are so much bigger, so that's been the journey since then is um, yeah. re reimagining. And when I say reimagine, I love the way Peter Ends puts it. This is not something that's making stuff up. This is re-understanding and reorienting, re-orienting ourselves to understand yeah. what God is and what God's about, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the scriptures are a description of people at various times and their understanding, growing and changing and transforming. And And I love the way Peter N says, you know, we do ourselves a huge disservice if we stop that tradition. Yeah. Um, and so I think what's happening, you know, this last, you know, decade or two, where we've been seeing this deconstruction reconstruction thing happening is that very thing re-emerging in the church. Again, that re-understanding, re-evaluating what God is and who God is now and how we relate to that God and to each other because of that.
1: Yeah. That's so good. How does that work with, um, one of the initial things that I'm curious about is with your, uh, you know, grade 11 students and stuff. What are some of the conversations that typically come up from, from Rob's work? I'm curious.
0: The Spiritual Nomad Podcast is a ministry of Current Collective Church, a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to holding space to experience the divine in healing and transformative ways that enable us to live into the fullness of a truly abundant life. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a tax-deductible donation to support our ongoing effort to reimagine spiritual community. Visit thespiritualnomad.org to contribute today. Thank you for your support and partnership.
2: It's interesting because one of the first things I say at the start of u 10 um, is one of the things I really want you to embrace in the next couple of years that I share this time with you is um, that God is not a man in the sky on a cloud waiting to throw thunderbolts at you when you kick your toe and swear. Mm. Uh, that's not what God's about. <sighs> that's um, so good. And so if you can get beyond that yeah. and understand that that. We start to you know think about what God could be if God is not limited to that man in the sky image. What does that look like? So, what comes out of the the you know, by that time in you know, year eleven, in year ten, we've looked at uh, things like sexuality, and that's a fun one.
1: Yeah, given tell kids, me about
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> given, given year ten kids' Song of Solomon to read. That's yes, that you think that's about
1: yeah Um, after (laughs) they've been told by other christians that anything sexual is sin and wrong and bad and and all of that or even like what you said i think that like the formation that you're because i think a big piece of a lot of this is not only people going through a sort of reformation or a a re-embracing of that understanding how god evolves in our life and our awareness of god but like how we are going to help walk younger people through that. Cause I think a lot of the, the deconstruction movement that kind of has a little unhealth going on in it right now is just a major backlash to the way that we were uh, told how to think through things, how to think we were, like you said, we were handed the nine ninety nine lunch special of God. And it's like anything other than that is, is, is wrong and bad and heretical. And, you know uh, we're having a major you know, uh, reaction to that in a lot of ways. And I think that going forward as some of us heal from different things in our own self and relationship with God and others that we are able to impart to younger people. Or even in my case, like I have two kids, how I raise them. Um, mm-hmm. you know, how people who are youth that are a part of even our community and what we do like that is a huge part in setting up a whole next iteration of generations to live and move and have their being, you know? And so I just want to just commend that sort of conversation that you're already bringing the kids in that stage of their life. It's radically well, we different. To.
2: Yes. We have to remember a number of years ago when I was still, um, I can't remember when it was, but I remember someone saying, you know, everyone knows what Christians are against, but no one really knows what they're for. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were talking about the deconstruction movement just a moment ago and how there seems to be a quagmire of stuff, I think the trap that that deconstruction movement's fallen into perhaps is that they're focused on what they're against Right from the church. Yes. <laughs> so you had the church against, we're against this, we're against that. Now you've got the deconstruction movement saying we're against this, we're against that. Um, I decided I wanted to try and be a voice that was saying, well, what are we for? Yeah, what is God about? What, where does this mean? I could sit there and argue, and um, you know, and, and that's hard not to argue sometimes,
0: <laughs> absolutely, it's hard not to
2: throw you two cents and yeah. but at the same time, I want people to understand, well, what are we about? What are we for? Who do, who do we want to be? And what does God want us to be? And who is God? And And when we're connected to this God, this Abundant, I mean, live 1010 10 was a hashtag that I've used off and on over the years. And that really meant live a 1010 10 life, 10 out of 10, 100%, but also John 1010. 10, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance. That was Jesus' mission, yes. a full and abundant life. And when we understand that abundant life, eternal life, full life is about the best life now. Yeah. And what Jesus was trying to do is to say, this is how we can, when you're connected to understanding God's kingdom. Yeah. All right. Uh, and what it means to live in God's way of doing and God's way of being, it's like saying this is, this is how we connect with yeah. that movement of God in the world. And I've, I've had the joy of saying to some kids who would say that they're atheist and to say to them, you know, um, I think you're more a part of the, the God movement in the world than you think you are, Yeah. Uh, whether you like it or not, simply by what you're doing.
1: Right. Um, by, by the actual life that you're leading and living, which by the way, is how Jesus said, you'll know who's actually yeah. living in this. That's and it. I use the kingdom of God in terms of like, I, I hang out, I run with a lot of folks who, you know, are in more uh, spiritual, but not religious movements or different things. So, you know, I talk about like the kingdom of God is, is this eternal flow of perfection that when we enter into this state, it becomes completeness in our life. Yes. You know, yes, that's what we're talking about here. And it's like, when you have that sort of awareness, so many more people are included <laughs> than what we Absolutely. had previously thought, you know? So it's, you
2: know, if, uh, we do a social justice unit with our year 11s um, and with our year 10s, And one of the things we say in both of those units is, um, you know, the core message of Jesus was very simple. Love God and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you look in between the lines with other uh, parts of Jesus teaching, it's actually loving people is the way you love God. Because if if God is in them and God is in me and I am in you and you are in us and us are in them, well, guess what? You know, we're all one um, back to the quantum physics again we're all somehow interrelated, interconnected. So, um, you know, this idea that simply sharing a sandwich with the homeless guy across the street here, Steve, um, that activity is a part of the flow of God. It's a part of that, you know, loving God and loving others. I love the God in Steve yeah. um, at the risk of sounding like I'm being, you know, pantheistic, but um, I, I love how Richard Ross says the differentiation is panentheism. Um, that's dumb. God is in all.
1: Um, yes.
2: yes. You know, so if the image of God is in Steve, um, you know, Jesus said, when you do this to the least of these, you do it to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, that's, that's really what it's about. And if it's as simple as that, I think, um, uh, my, my girlfriend sent me a note last, just last night, um, as, uh, I was going off to sleep and it didn't come through to this morning because messenger had some issues yesterday, but she sent me Galatians six, two, which simply says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And she sent, this is everything. This is such a simple message.
1: Yeah.
2: And then carry one another's burdens. And this way you fulfill the law of Christ. When you look at acts two and acts four, we see communities where no one had lack because everyone was looking out for each other. And yeah. I think one of the, one of a better term sins of the Christian community over the years is this individualism, this, uh, are you saved? Are you going to heaven? Yeah. One of the things I learned out of the whole Benedictine thing and monasticism thing is that, you know, monks aren't about salvation for themselves. They're about salvation for the whole community. Yeah. They're actually yeah. seeking each other's salvation.
1: Right, um, that as a selfless sacrifice, imaging the life of Jesus. Who'd have thought?
2: <laughs> and and that whole you know perichoresis in God that the, the, the servant. Yeah, it's yes. It's, yeah, who'd have thought? Exactly.
1: Right. Who would have <laughs> thought? But it, so with that, um, actually, just coming to me, maybe it'd be fun to talk about how Jesus has taken maybe different forms in your formation throughout the years. I know a lot of people, even speaking from my own personal experience, not just even the folks that I run with, but like what Jesus meant to me throughout the years, as I look at these different iterations of faith has sort of evolved or changed and, and some of the simple teachings of Jesus become the paramount things that i think was supposed to be you know whenever i was really hyper into like calvinism and reform stuff i'm like forget the simple stuff of loving your neighbors yourself where's the real hard theological nut to crack you know what i mean and you're kind of like on this like pious sort of uh you know um mission uh to do all of the academics of it you know but so Jesus takes a lot of different forms. And for me, it's like the simplest messages now become the hardest ones. Uh, but how has that looked like in your life? How's Jesus and the life of Jesus and understanding Christ and some of the, the language of the universal Christ that Richard Rohr talks about? And how all of these, uh, the, the life of Jesus and the understanding of Christ, how that's evolved and changed and formed the way you live? The, the first thing that changed for me was the voice. Mm. Of,
2: of Jesus, um, which moved from this hardline, harsh, finger-pointing um, voice to one that was soft mm. uh, and, and more gentle, frustrated at times, um, but was really trying to get across this point of what this kingdom was and help us understand what that was. So the, the, that was the first thing that was really noticeable to me. I'd read the scriptures and, uh, you know, I'd read um, the red letters and I'm not necessarily suggesting they were the actual words that Jesus spoke at the time. They're probably not, but you know, you put that voice in your head of what it sounds like. And it was got way more gentle mm. um, and way more soft. And that actually changed the way I shared the message when I was preaching. Um, it, 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 it changed yeah. huge. Uh, it changed the way I went about, um, you know, we're talking about my community here before. I think one of the reasons why that connections happened is because it's not just they can trust me, but they're not intimidate or well, not, not intimidate is not the word they're not. Um, they, they know I'm not going to jump down their necks and try and shove a Bible down it. you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. They know that I'm serious about loving them first. Um, mm-hmm. And that I sincerely care for them and enjoy their, their friendship and that connection. Um, so there was that, uh, which sort of changed for me too. Um, I suppose th- people like um, Kenneth Bailey, uh, who's a, a New Testament scholar who um, has done a lot of work with the parables and understanding the parables in their context um, and, you know, getting into some of the backstories of some of these things that were going on when Jesus shared these parables and sayings, um, that started to change my understanding of things too, obviously, suddenly the parables weren't literal instruction to do X, Y, or Z. They were actually opening up my head to something that's bigger than just yeah. a simple action. So when you were saying before about, you know, give us the hard theological nuts to crack, I've got to say the easy stuff probably is um, yeah. when you really break down what it means for us to love our neighbor as ourselves when we read the parable of the good Samaritan or, you know, one that I was reflecting on just the other day, the prodigal son.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, how fair is that? You right. know, the, the, the workers who, you know, start early in the morning and the ones that come later get paid the same.
1: Yeah.
2: These are, these are hard. Um, yeah. And so I started to see that this is what, not just about, paying people wages and being kind when someone does the wrong thing and nicks off and squanders their inheritance. This was opening up, you know, this whole idea of what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? Um, It is like this. And rather than being again, um, this place in the sweet by and by that I go when I die, suddenly it was the kingdom of God is now it's here. It's within you. It's among us. Yeah. Um, And so these stories were for now. They were for putting into action now. It wasn't about earning a ticket. It was about creating the place where people want to be um, so they can be in the presence of God. So um, Jesus uh, really took on that that persona, I suppose, of, of being the master teacher who was more interested in reshaping my reality to what is real yeah, as then just getting me to do the right thing yeah, um, and, and toe the line. Uh, you know, when I, the year 10s, we talk about the 10 commandments and we break them down into, you know, six and four, these four relate to you and God, these six relate to you and others. And then we sort of bring it back again and say, what did Jesus do? Love God, love your neighbor. Um, but then and all, Loving God, loving neighbor fulfills all the law. Mm. Um, but how crap are we at it? You mm. know, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, how bad are we at it? Um, and the more I reflect on it, the more I realise I often use a hashtag. It's not rocket science. Yeah. But boy, it's hard. Right. Um. You know, going across the street for my morning run, and there's Steve camped outside of the Seven Eleven. And I go, oh, I didn't bring my card with me today. I'm going to have to ruin my whole day by going home and getting my card and coming back and buying this guy a coffee and a muffin for breakfast. It's It sounds so simple and it sounds so um, trite. But that's the real stuff of life. Yeah. Because it's, it's about relationship. It's about caring for somebody else, it's about understanding that um, – uh, a beautiful Catholic priest here in Australia by the name of Father Bob Maguire, who's based in Melbourne, absolute legend. Um, mm. He's done some amazing stuff over the years. He's in his eighties uh, now. Um, he says all the time, I, "I am because we are." Yeah, I like that. Um, which is that Ubuntu uh, thing from Af- uh, those African tribes that have this thing called Ubuntu. I am because we are. Mm. So if Steve goes hungry tomorrow morning, we are. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to wear that. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: And that's like, I love the idea of that because you are, I forget where I picked this up, but I, I talk a lot about in our uh, church community about participating in the ongoing healing of the world. Yeah. And that is what it means. Participating in the ongoing healing of the world means Steve gets fed. It means that we, it, it, and once again, I love the panentheism I, language and the ideas because it's like, now I don't see anything as separate from myself. I'm mm. looking, I'm looking at this person. Not only is there Jesus, but that's me, you know, that's me sitting there. the hungry. And in, in a sense, yeah. you know, um, and I love that participating in the ongoing healing. that's uh, Jesus. Like I bringing that back to like following and Jesus, I think in a lot of ways was inaugurating that sort of like, this is what, holistic life looks like this is what ongoing yes. uh healing this the is fullness. what. yep yes i love luke 4 you know and he's like quotes isaiah you know and he's like this is what it looks like you know um the eyes would be uh, the blind would see and the lame would walk and all of these things it's like complete wholeness it's be perfect as i am perfect which is Better translation, complete, be complete in in this sort of way. Um, Yeah. And and so I've reevaluated Jesus to the point to where it's like, man, what a master at this to live a particular way to see exactly what that gentleman was talking about. It was, was named Father, uh, I want to give him honor. What was his name? Father Father Bob. Yes. Father Father Bob Bob, that, that, to reflect on that. Uh, How does that work? Uh, with people that you're working with, maybe whether in the chaplaincy in in the school or not, that maybe have a a real uh, maybe off-putness to Jesus and to some of the language that surrounds some of this? Um, How does that work to rephrase or to rearticulate in ways that makes this attractive or to get their mind thinking in other ways like how has that been because once again a lot of the deconstruction movement a lot has to do with language we don't want to quote follow jesus anymore you know like it took me a long time oh until about a year ago that i was really okay with the notion of that language of quote following jesus you know but now I, i i i love it on a lot of different levels because i believe he's led the way for for universal reconciliation essentially if you want to get really big about it but my question is is with your work and a lot of the things that you do especially uh with blogging and stuff how do you navigate some of the language in helping people come on board to seeing this new view essentially so look a a couple ways
2: that i can respond to that first of all um we start with the premise that um what can you believe now about Jesus? Um, so the, the angle we take is if you, um, if you can't believe that Jesus walked on water or that he's son of God or that, um, you know, he turned water into wine and whatever else, that's okay. What can you believe right now? And so we do a unit in year 10 where we specifically look at Jesus, the historical figure that Jesus actually existed because most kids come from the They've been told, Oh, it's a fairy tale. It's made up. Someone just wrote, someone wrote the whole Bible to, you know, (laughs) right. Take over, take over the world and control people's minds. Um, So uh, once they understand that Jesus was a historical figure and say, all right. And so we do another unit with our year 11s where we uh, the very first lesson on this unit, which is how to read the Bible. Well, um, I'll talk about Aesop's fables and share some Aesop's fables and say, all right, so are these stories true?
1: Mm.
2: And all of a sudden this idea of what is true shifts. True doesn't have to mean factual necessarily. Right. Um, because while there are turtles and rabbits, they generally don't race each other um, on a regular basis and challenge each other to, to running races. So, um, But there's, there's truth in the story despite yeah. that. And so the angle we take is, all right, well, if you can believe that Jesus was a teacher who told wisdom stories, what wisdom can you glean from this? Um, And in fact, in the last couple of years, Peter ends in his latest book uh, talks about that a lot, that, you know, Mm. the Bible is in a book of answers. It's a book of wisdom.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And
2: if we can read the Bible seeking wisdom. And so when we understand Jesus as someone from whom we can gain wisdom, it doesn't matter whether he's son of God or not. Now, I say that to mean, um, I mean, there'll be some possibly some Christians listening to this going, oh, how dare you, right. he Heretic. But, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that um, for somebody who's completely blocked off to Jesus simply because of the Son of God thing, man, they'll, they'll find value in Scripture if you can get them to understand that Jesus' teaching was about a change of paradigm.
1: Yeah. And
2: maybe through that change of paradigm, I mean, I, just this morning in my Monk in Doc's reflection uh, on Instagram, I, I talked about how, you know, we need to see um, God in all things, even in the spaces between us. Um, yeah. And so when we can start to, maybe if we start to put some of those things in action, some of this teaching bringing about the kingdom of God, um, maybe we'll start to see God. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what our, well, not just young people, but people in the world need to see. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, I believe in God. What does that God look like? Well, let me show you what that God looks like by loving you. Yeah. And maybe someone who says, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, Jesus said, you know, love my neighbor. I love my neighbor. And suddenly they see what this God is love thing is through the yeah. action of loving their neighbor. Yeah. Um, so that would be the first thing. The other big one for me um, is, you know, every week in a lot of traditional churches, they recite the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sitting down with with students again, as I do, and, and other people from time to time, but um, saying to them, listen, <clears throat> when we pray, your kingdom come, the next line is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, what does heaven look like? Um, and again, it's not about the what's going to be like when we die. But even if it were, what would you imagine a heaven would look like? Well, there'd be no sadness. There'd be no, I mean, we can look at revelation. There's no sadness. There's no sickness. There's no, right. So, so how about we start acting about and doing things that are going to help to bring that about, to yeah. bring about the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, so I guess they're two very basic, but probably the most prominent approaches. And there's a lot of more intricacies in those, but I think if we open up uh, Jesus like that to people, you know, simply getting past that. It's one of the reasons why, and you might do this too, when you're first introduced to people, I say, oh, hi, you know, I'm Mark. I'm such and such. Oh, what do you do, Mark? <laughs> I'm like, oh. <"Ugh." laughs> because the second, the second I say I'm a chaplain or a pastor or a minister, um, they are going to think that they know yeah. what I believe and where I stand on things. And I actually did a whole message on this for our staff um, in the school last year where I had this list at the start of my sermon. I talked about what God might be like, um, yeah. but this list at the start of my sermon, you know, I had this whole list of stuff. I say, when I say, when you know me as a chaplain, here's possibly what you think I believe, but that's not where I stand on those things at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what we the struggle with Jesus is that, people think they got Jesus worked out. Well, what if Jesus weren't like you think Jesus was? And what yeah. if Jesus had something valuable to say anyway? If we can start there. Yeah. Um yeah. and it's getting, you know, the, the whole believing, believing, belonging, you know, which comes first. It doesn't matter. Right. If if someone says, you know, I'm gonna listen, to the, I'm find the wisdom in this and put it into practice, maybe just maybe. Um if it's going to make their life better because they'll become more in the image that God has created them to be, whether they know it or not. Right. Um, right. I know that, that bugs a lot of Christians.
1: Yeah. Um, But I'm with you. becoming
2: more in the image of who they are, even though they don't realize it. Um, But that, that opens up that possibility of Jesus and God becoming more to them than what they think of them now.
1: Yeah. And even so much more tangible, I think in a lot of ways, like yeah. a lot of times I'll have conversations with people who don't really uh, follow the Christian tradition or have a uh, any sort of relationship to Jesus or with or whatever. And we'll have these conversations and I'm like, yeah, well, I don't have these. I don't remember having conversations with my Christian friends like this, you know, and we have this, we resonate on such a level and able to use different language and then I remember most recently I was having a talk with a friend who is uh, very much more into um, different versions of spirituality. And she was like, why, why are you boxing yourself into the Jesus tradition? And I said, well, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, one, I was born in the United States. Uh, I was born to a pastor as a pastor's kid. I mean, there's a lot of things that were, predetermined for me to, to be in this, you know, uh, but yeah. also too, like there's a lot of <laughs> wisdom that comes in these teachings, regardless if they're historical documents or not, neither here nor there. And there's wisdom there. And I said, what's even more so is this spirit of Christ that seems to be transcendent right. whenever we do it and also talk about it and what's happening right now. I was able to say, do we feel, do you feel and sense what's happening right now? in this conversation, this mutually beneficial, higher consciousness awareness that's happening through this dialogue in this way. And I'm like, this is Christ embodied right here and right now. This is it. This is, this is a, I mean, there's, there's a lot, a myriad of things. This is a, a form of many of it, you know, and that right there is such an eye-opener for people who are frustrated with the church, frustrated with Jesus, or don't have a context for Jesus to be like, oh, like I can, it transcends language, words, ideas, thoughts, doctrines, and it's two human beings coming into a, a form of union with the God that is right here, right now. And it's it's beautiful thing to see people now have a different view about what the possibility of Christianity could be like because having been in the presence of an experience with someone who is willing to level with them on a different level of just like, well, you got to believe that Jesus is the son of God before that, you know, or you have to speak in tongues first, or you got to, you know, and to me it's like, that is such an amazing thing for people to understand. And I love that about what you're saying is like, What's the most, uh, if you're, if you are incorporating Jesus into your spiritual practice and formation in life, what are the things that you can believe? And for this individual mm-hmm. person, it was like this experience, I can believe that this is true. And therefore we've had numerous conversations thereafter. So I, I love that. Uh, and I, I feel like so many people in the deconstructionist movement could use that right now.
2: Absolutely, uh, and I guess it's the thing. You know, a lot of there's a guy on Twitter that I have talked to a lot in the past, and he really struggles because he he he's come from a Christian background, and now he would probably term himself more atheist than Christian, but he still sees this thing in a Jesus story, and uh, yeah. and I said to him, well, we'll, "We'll start where you can, mate. You know, yeah. just um, okay. So you're at a point where you don't think." the miracles happen and whatever else, that's great. But what value is there in Jesus? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, that's interesting when you think about it, the emphasis that we've placed on things over the years, I think the, the, those of us who've been through that deconstruction and reconstruction process um, have realised that the miracles themselves aren't necessarily the big yahoo Right. Um, I mean, one of my favourite stories is the turning of the water into wine. I remember reading uh, one of those, you know, courses that, you know, in, teach people about the Christian faith. And that story was used as a way of saying Jesus was all powerful over nature. This is a story that tells us Jesus has power over nature. And I'm like, yeah. that's great. And then, you know, studying the background, realized that actually what Jesus did was saved a family from this um, community humiliation. Mm and ostracization because they didn't provide for the party like someone who provided a party like that should have. Wow. That this was about social and community. Yeah. Um, that, you know, this whole, uh, this father of the bride and the, the bride and her family and the, the groom and his family would have been all at various levels known as the family who, you know, failed mm. to, um, to, to provide a good party for their daughter's wedding. Um, yeah. yeah, Jesus came and saved the day. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just about getting the party started again. It was about creating an, a situation where this, and I guess my two big things are, you know, what's Mark's thrust in a nutshell. One is helping people see that belief is believable. Yeah. And then the second one is, is that, um, community over individualism. Mm. And so that, you know, Jesus was all about, community so he was all about I mean, everything he did was about helping people in community sure he healed that man's arm and healed that leprosy but it was about creating an environment where they could have community yes again they weren't ostracized they weren't on the fringes so they were able to be a part of it again and, and that's where the wholeness comes the wholeness comes when we become whole um yeah you know, going back to that whole i am because we are um, yes again, yes
1: i am because we are i love that so much so much she is uh, Father Bob. <laughs> yes. Father Bob is the man. He is the man. <laughs> oh. If anybody hears any uh, uh yard work happening outside, uh that's apartment life happening on my end. So I apologize for any you know, weed eater noises or anything. But uh <laughs> that's how we go. Um so as people as we wrap up the the show, I'm curious. Uh, you know, I love you you made that, you know talk about what you're about, kind of what your, your thing is, what about the, the work that you're doing and all of this? And I love the, the language of the, uh, you know, the monastic stuff. Um, how could people get in touch with what you're doing? If you were to just give a quick little overview about like the, the work that you're producing for people, if people want to get in touch with that or involved in that. What would they be? What's a flavor of that and how can they get in touch with it?
2: So the best place at the moment would probably be um, through Instagram, Uh, at Monk in Docks, M-O-N-K-I-N-D-O-C-S, because I'm a monk who happens to wear docks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, uh, that's probably the best place. There there are a couple of other things that I am working on at the moment, and they've been a long time coming, some of them. Um, Looking at a podcast that uh, reflects on um, spiritual practice and, and building community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I do a bit of writing over at medium, but the link for that's always in the bio of, um, of the, uh, the and Docs Instagram page, uh, a daily reflection goes out from there. But if people want to touch base and talk and, um, and, and connect very happy to do that through the DMS and, um, and we can expand into whatever else we need to later on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, I'm an interesting position at the moment. It, it's, I've always had a few projects going on with stuff. I mean, the the, the original modern monk project had a full blog and um, we're looking at doing a podcast at the time and stuff. Um, uh, but for various reasons, I, I let that go. I'm also on Twitter at monk and docs as well. Although at the moment, all you're going to see going up is the daily Instagram post. Cause I sort of signed out of Twitter for, for Advent, just felt it was time to take a breather out of there. It's a weird space yes. sometimes. So,
1: yeah, some um, and by sometimes I mean all the time. <laughs>
2: yeah, you will but not
1: me, find me in the Twitter I, land. Really, it's like,
2: wow. well, that's it. That's why I say Instagram connect there because the likelihood at this point is I probably won't go back. Yeah. Um, I don't think um, suck your life away. So oh, uh, uh, that, yeah. that's probably the best way um, is to connect that way. Um, and yeah, but there's a few. I mean, any projects that you know, I've been working on, I don't, I won't see too much cause some of them may not come about. I'm one of these crazy guys who has more ideas before breakfast than some people do in a lifetime. And I don't know what to do with them sometimes.
1: Oh, yes. But, um, I, I feel that for me, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, but, so Instagram, uh, I'm happy to receive DMS and, and questions that way. Um, and like I said, we can expand out to email or other things. And, um, yeah, a few writing projects and maybe a podcast on the ball, but it'll be announced through the Instagram. So that's probably the best place for now.
1: Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Is uh, any final parting just a word of wisdom for those who may be going through deconstruction and finding their way into reconstruction?
2: Yeah, um, it's okay. Mm. It's okay. I don't. I think one of the big things that I hear from people who are going through this when they're talking to me about it is that feeling of uh, guilt, shame. Um, mm. As for many people, it's very real ostracization from family and community. Um, uh, but I would say it, it, what you're doing is okay. It's not wrong. It's not bad. Mm. Um, and I really encourage you to reach out to someone, whether it's people like Luke or myself or other people that you can find um, closer to home if, if you need that but people that you can uh, vent spleen with and talk things out with not and not people who are going to tell you. Um, and that'd be the other thing I'd say is it's your journey. Mm. Um, so you may not find answers to many of your questions. Um, and that's okay too, but, but hang in with it. Um, take your time, stead tread carefully, seek wisdom where you need it. And, um, may God be with you and know that know that no matter how you're feeling or however, together or ostracized or whatever you feel God's there with you in that. And when I say with you, not just present, but feeling all those things. Yeah. Um, experiencing it with you in that moment.
1: Mm. It's so good. Thank you, Mark. So much. We have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, um, Absolutely, friends, give, give Mark a follow, connect with him. Uh, if any of this sparked that you want to talk about further, certainly reach out to either of us. And yeah. uh, we're all about community. That's Hopefully you've heard that through the thread of this and uh, want to make ourselves available because we need more people to, to journey with. So thank you, friends. I guess
2: that's, yeah, that's the thing. You know, the, the chaplaincy thing, I find that happening online a lot.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you probably, yes. and you
2: probably do too. Yeah. Um, so when I say, you know, reach out, yeah, the the Luke's and the the marks and there are other people out there too, Re- yeah. reach out. We we want to journey with you because uh, we actually do care.
1: Yeah. Um And so, that's um, that's the yeah. we. That's the we, right? That's it. That's that it. is it. So good, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: Listening to the Spiritual Nomad Podcast. As always, we would love for you to subscribe, leave a review, and share this channel with a friend. If you would like to financially support the Spiritual Nomad project, visit thespiritualnomad.org/slash give. To contact Luke, you can email him directly. Luke at thespiritualnomad.org or send a direct message on Instagram. Until next time, grace, peace, and love.